Dorothy? Jerry? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, now I've got two of you here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, you can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Let me try plugging this in and see if uh, if it's... um, uh, can you hear me? Dorothy, talk again. I can I can, can hear you. you. You can hear me now. Okay, it's working for some reason. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> I I don't know what that was that your phone or was that me? Could you hear me? I can hear you perfect. Okay, but could you hear me before? Because I just called back yeah, I in. Heard I, you, I heard you the whole time. Oh, okay. But you just couldn't hear me. Grace I don't know. <laughs> My cat Grace was so funny. She was looking at me and cocking her head. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Lord, if you want this to go, it's your deal, not mine. <laughs> but thank you, Lord. Oh, wow. Oh, okay, we going on? Live? I don't it's know. Live. Oh, dear. I didn't hear any music. <laughs> Let me put my, some music. <laughs> well, and now we've, 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 we've had technical difficulties. And <laughs> it's like the two stooges here trying to get things working. But it's going now. So, Yes. So let's play music. Okay. Where is Great. it? And then we'll just start over like nothing ever happened. Okay, that's a great idea. Here (laughs) we go. Okay, great. Hi, this is Jerry McGee. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. We are coming on live the second, I'm sorry, the first and third Tuesdays of each month, and we'll be teaching principles of the overcoming life. And so we will always be scheduled from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. And um, let's open with a word of prayer. And if you were listening in when we were having all the confusion, we apologize for that. Don't know what was wrong, but anyway, praise God, he fixed it. So, Father, we come to you in the mighty holy name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven, that you watch over your word to perform it. The leaf withers, the flower fades, but the word of your God, our God, will continue forever. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your word to heal us. Not folks, but you sent you 
your word, Lord, to heal us. In Jesus' name, we praise you, Lord. Lord, I pray tonight that I'll be a tree of life, that rivers of living water will come forth from my innermost being. Father, I pray the eyes of every heart be enlightened, that you open our blind eyes. Father, I thank you and ask you to cover us with the blood of Jesus. Send forth your ministering angels to minister to every person who's listening in. And, Father, if you want anyone to call in for prayer, you prompt them to do so. And, Lord, we just uh, pray that I'll be a tree of life, that rivers of living water will come forth from my innermost being. Father, the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart will be acceptable to you. Lord, give each hearer ears to hear. We pray a special covering of warrior angels over every person who's listening in, over our, our president, Father. Uh, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to cover us all with the blood of Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do tonight in Jesus' name. I pray you'll open our eyes. I pray, Lord, I loose on each person the conviction of sin, the fear of the Lord, and a spirit of repentance. And before I start, I, if you need special prayer, if you'll call in at 646-595-4784, and don't forget to press 1. When I get through teaching, I'll pray for whoever uh, needs prayer if you'll call in. Um, so, Father, we just come to you, and we thank you for what you're going to do. We bind and break every word of death, word of iniquity, curse, assignment, satanic ritual spoken over uh, over me, over Dorothy, over our concerns, over our family, over our president. Uh, in the name of Jesus, um, we ask you, God, in Jesus' name, to send back on the enemy every curse and assignment that's sent against us, not to kill them, hurt them, harm them, but so they'll fear God and turn away from evil. Father, we ask you to loose your angels to pursue with your fiery storms, tempests, and tornadoes, utterly disgrace every uh, person that is uh, trying to do us harm. Uh, pursue them, Lord, till they learn that you alone are God. In Jesus' name. Well, this tonight I want to share uh, a message entitled "Instructions for Christian Living" from the Book of James. And this really, I was motivated to do this. I listen to the Bible every night while I sleep, and. I was listening to the book of James, and I God just gave insight. So basically, I'm just going to go through the book of James and just um, with each point and explain it, and hopefully at the end, you'll understand the book of James better. Uh, I know this has helped me. And so James tells us in, uh, in James 1, when you go through for various trials, we're to count it all joy. And then it says, and knowing and the testing of our faith is producing endurance, and the scripture says we have need of endurance, and after we've, we've done uh, the will of God, we'll receive what's promised. The scripture tells us in Galatians not to, not to weary in well-doing, but in due time we'll reap if we do not grow weary and faint. And so we can count it all joy knowing that this testing that we're going through is producing for us a far greater weight and glory, this momentary light affliction. And when God first gave me this, gave me uh, years ago, explained uh, to count it all joy. My son had just died of AIDS in 1989. And, you know, I could count it all joy in the midst of that, knowing that God had brought this son to repentance and he's in heaven today. And, but going through AIDS was not a pretty thing. I mean, we took care of him in in my home. I took care of him. um, And God allowed him to die in total peace because he knew the Lord. I was told that people that die with AIDS um, have get dementia, and even with morphine, they have to be tied to the bed. And my son died totally drug-free in total peace because he had repented of his sin. 
And so um, I could count it all joy knowing that all that I was going through, that this son was in heaven now. And so James says in James 1, 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So that's how, how you can count it all joy and why you can count it all joy. And, you know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And even in the midst of, of your suffering, you can have the joy of the Lord. Uh, James tells us that when we don't know what to do, we're to ask him. It says in James 1, 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives reproach without shame and will be given to him. And then he tells us how to ask, that we're to ask in faith. It says in verse 6, but, but he must ask in faith without any doubt. You know, so many times in my life that I would ask God for something and then I would hear, well, Lord, did you say this or didn't you? And I was just like uh, the Bible tells us here not to do. I was like a ship driven of the wind and tossed. Did you, didn't you, did you, didn't you? And the, the Lord really showed me that came in because, you know, my daddy would tell me I couldn't do something. Then I would ask my mother and she would say, uh, oh, go ahead and do it. Just don't tell your daddy. And so that caused me to think that I could talk God out of things. And so that brought confusion to my life. That's why parents need to back one another up according to the word of God. And, and of course, unless that other parent is trying to do something ungodly and then we we're, we've got to stand for righteousness because if you don't, your kids will totally be confused. They need to know what's right and what's wrong. And James 1, 6 says, but he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And one day I heard a message on this scripture, and I just realized what I'd been doing, and I just determined that what I was hearing, I was going to trust that that was from God. And even if I made a that uh, God would teach me how to hear him. And so now when I ask God, when I ask God for something that I need direction on, I'll say, Lord, I'm asking you in faith, and I'm going to believe that what you say is what you're telling me. And so it's brought less confusion to my life to begin to believe what, I'm hearing God say. And so um, it says in James that if you think your, your circumstances are meager compared to a rich man, that you're to glory in your high position. You know, it's just the opposite. We think sometimes because we don't have as much as anyone else has that we're in a lower position. But God says that we're to glory in our high position. And he goes on and tells the rich that you're going to glory in your humiliation. You're going to be humble. And, of course, you know, this is not saying if a person is rich that they're bad or anything like that. But basically, you know, you can be rich in spirit. You can be rich in spirit and, and um, be full of pride. And so if I believe that if you use what you have for the glory of God, I believe that God gives to you because he knows he can trust you with it. Uh, so we're not we're to glory in our high position and not feel like we're intimidated because we don't have as much as the, the rich has. It goes on and says in verse 10, and the rich man is the glory in his humiliation because like, like flowering grass, he'll fade away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and flowers fall off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too, 
the rich man in the midst of his pursuit will fade away. You know, we're to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Um, and then it, James tells us not to lose heart or give up too quick. So many times when we ask God for something, we give up too quick. I mean, I know when I've been believing God for healing in a particular area, I mean, I've had to wait and wait and wait, and I've been believing God for years, and I know that the outcome of this is healing. In fact, positionally, I was healed at Calvary when Jesus died on the cross, but I'm waiting for the manifestation of of that healing, and I believe that if I continue in faith and I don't give up, I will um, receive what God has promised to me. And I see how God has used this great trial in my life to perfect me and to work the pride out of my life. I remember when I started believing the Lord for healing in 2008, I believed God could heal me, but he probably wouldn't. And I can tell you my faith level, I I doubted uh, 90% of the time, and I had 10% of the time I believed God. And I can say after these years of repenting and uh, trusting God and confessing what God's word says, that my belief level is now 90% and my doubting is 10%. And I believe that when I can believe God completely, I believe what his, I will see the manifestation of healing. Jesus said you will have what you say if you don't doubt in your heart. And so as long as there's doubt in your heart, you're, you're going to have the negative if you're saying the wrong thing. And so we have to speak life with our mouth. The word of God is seed, and we're spiritual gardens. And so we have to speak God's word because God's word will not return void. And the more we speak God's word and the less we speak words that contradict God's word, um, then our faith will be built up. And if our conscience is clear, the Bible says, we have confidence before God. So by having 10% believing uh, God 10% now, I know there's there's something down in my heart where uh, my conscience isn't clear because um, something that I don't yet see. And, you know, God doesn't deliver you in one day. It's a process. Sanctification takes a lifetime. So I really can't count it all joy because the the humbling God has done through this particular physical problem, um, I thank God because I don't want to be a proud person. And I've seen so much haughtiness and so much arrogance in my life uh, through all of this. And God using it to humble me and to show me that I'm not as smart as I thought I was. And so um, the scripture says that we're not to lose heart and give up. Uh, it says don't weary in well-doing because after you've done the will of God, it said you'll receive what's been promised. And so there are rewards that God gives us for continuing and persevering. James 1.12 says, blessed is the man who perseveres. That means doesn't give up under trial. You know, sometimes we just want to throw up our hands and just give up and say this really doesn't work. But don't be discouraged. God's word will not return void. It says, for once he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Uh, the next thing James says is don't blame God when you're tempted. Don't say that I'm, my temptation is of God. James 1.3 says, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself is not, can, does not tempt anyone. You know, God never tells you anything that contradicts his word. Verse 14 says, but each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Um, you see, we're spirit, our heart is a spiritual garden. And so just like words come out of our, 
our spiritual garden come out of the heart. Our thought life comes out of the heart. The Bible says, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. Out of the mouth proceeds evil words. Those words come from the heart. And so we're a spiritual garden. So if there's lust in our heart, then we know that there's been something planted in our spiritual garden that we need to see, we need to find out what it is. And so the way we deal with lust, it goes on to say, then when lust has conceived, it goes, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And so, <clears throat> so the way we deal with lust is to say, okay, Lord, where did that come from? If you ever watched a pornographic movie or if you ever, you know, um, I, I, I can say that probably sexual lust has not been something that's been in my life, but lust for food, lust for things. Uh, have you ever been that like that? I remember a time when I'd walk through the mall and I'd want everything I saw. But now I can walk through a mall, mall and I, there's not anything I want. And I thank God. That's deliverance. And praise God, deliverance works. Um, my sisters used to say that, you know, they needed a bumper sticker born to shop. And I guess we've all been guilty of that. But I thank God that he has taught me to be contented. You know, the scripture says that godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. So if you are wanting um, uh, to grow in the Lord and you have no contentment, uh, your, your godliness is not a means of great gain unless it's accompanied by contentment. It says that when lust is conceived, it gives birth to death. So the way I deal with the lust is I, I find out what's been planted down in my heart, and then I deal with it. I confess my sin according to 1 John 1, 9 that says, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So you confess your sin, you repent, and then do what Jeremiah says. You pull down, uproot, and pluck out that uh, uh, weed from your garden, and that's deliverance. And then you then it goes on to say plant and rebuild. And so you plant and rebuild by speaking the word of God over your garden because words are seed. And so you must always know where you're where your good gifts come from. They always come from God. Your blessings always come from God. And James 1.16 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift comes down from above, coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or or shifting shadow. In the exercise of of his will, he brought, brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be the first fruits of among his creatures. God tells us to be good listeners, to watch our mouth and to stay calm. Uh, James 1.9 says, You know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, usually we are quick to speak and slow to, and quick to speak and, and um, quick to anger. Verse 10, verse 20 says, for the for the for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God, because Matthew five says when you're angry with your brother you've really murdered him, and so the the law of God is loving the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your your body and all your spirit. Loving the Lord with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. That is God's law. That is that that is um, that's how we reach achieve the righteousness of God. But when we're angry, uh, it doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. We break God's law of love. 
and and I can tell you that anger and unforgiveness and bitterness will end up making you sick. And a lot of times people are sick because they violated that principle of loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, we can't let the sun go down on our anger. We have to forgive uh, if we want God to forgive us. And behind all sickness is sin. We don't like to hear that. We don't like to believe that. But I can maybe at some point in time I'll teach and show you in God's word where God allows um, certain things when we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, James tells us to humble ourselves and put aside all wickedness by aligning ourselves with the word of God. Verse 21 says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted that's able to save your soul. You know, if I'm reared up in pride, I can't receive the seed of God's word uh, that's able to save my soul. And so humility is important if I'm to receive God's word that's implanted. You know, there's so many people that are so full of pride uh, that they think they have to be perfect and they are so full of pride, you can't correct them. They won't receive truth. They, they won't receive correction. And when we don't deal with sin, what happens is that we sweep things under the rug and it becomes a festering sore. <clears throat> and, excuse me. And at some point in time, it'll make us sick. James tells us to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. Verse 22 says, but prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And so it's saying that if I'm a hearer of the word and I'm not a doer of the word, I'm deluded. In 1 Thessalonians, it says that if I don't love the truth, that God sends on me a strong delusion so that I cannot be saved. So if you don't have a love of the truth, you need to ask God to give you a love of the truth. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. And once he's looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten for what kind of person he was. So he's basically saying when you look in, if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're like a man who looks in a mirror and you see what you're like because of what the word of God says. But then you turn around and walk away from the mirror, you forget what you look like. It says, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, which is the law of love, the law of liberty, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And so you see that God's blessings are all uh, conditioned upon us being a doer of the word and not a hearer of the word. Now, you don't do the word to be saved, but because you are saved, you will do the word of God. Uh, obedience is the fruit of salvation. So you don't obey to be saved. You obey because you are, because God has given you a new heart. And those of you who are listening in, if you've never been born again, I don't mean just praying a prayer to receive Jesus. I mean to have a born-again experience whereby God causes you to be a new creation in Christ, and old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. You know, there was a time in my life where I had accepted the Lord in 1958 at the Billy Graham Crusade, was baptized, kept smoking, kept uh, cursing, kept telling dirty jokes, kept, you know, my life didn't change. But five years later, I was born again, and everything about me changed. It didn't mean I was perfect, but it means that God gave me a new heart. In fact, uh, I remember a curse word coming out of my mouth right after I knew that I'd become a new creation in Christ. Um, A curse word came out of my mouth, 
And I said to the Lord, that doesn't sound like anything a Christian ought to say. And that day, over 50 years ago, God delivered me from foul language. And so I'm thankful for that. Uh, James tells us to shut our mouth. And and James uh, 1.26 says, if any man thinks he is religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man is religion is worthless. In other words, if you're if we're just blabbermouths, God says that that our religion is worthless, and so we need to we need to ask God how we can tame our tongue. A lot of people people just talk all the time because they just want attention. Hey, God gives us attention. His His eye is continually on us. There was a time when I'd go out to lunch with somebody and I'd run off at the mouth so much I'd come away feeling so condemned. And the older I get, uh, the less I talk. And I'm thankful for that because I don't. I can have lunch with someone now and not go in home, not go home, feel condemned. And so, um, and, and you know, blabbermouths it just comes out of pride. Then God tells us in James that we're to help widows and orphans in their distress and not to be contaminated by the world. You know, if you if you mistreat a widow or an orphan, you're in trouble with God. There's a blessing if you help a widow. And if you have an orphan, it comes with a Bible blessing. James one twenty seven says, Pure and undefiled religion is this, in the sight of God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The Bible tells orphans that he'll not, tells us he won't leave us as an orphan. He, he adopts us as his children. And the scripture says that God is a judge for the widow. And uh, he's the one that protects the boundaries of a widow. Uh, we're not to judge with uh, evil. We're not to be judges with evil mo- motives. If we show partiality uh, or favoritism to people, the Bible says we're a judge with evil motives. James 2, 1 says, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a a, a gold ring and is dressed in fine clothes and there also comes in a poor man um, with in dirty clothes and you pay attention you pay special attention to the to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and the jewelry and you say um, you sit here in a good place and you say to the poor man you you stand over here uh, there or sit down by my footstool have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, do not, does not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and theirs and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? You know, Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And you know, when I was going over this, it says the poor is rich in faith. And why is this? You know, um, a rich person has so many of his needs met. He's got all the money. And I'm not condemning anybody that's got rich. I mean, I thank God for, for all of his blessings to my life and that I have everything I need. But but a poor man has to pray about everything. Where a rich man, the more you have, the less you feel like you need God. And so it's saying that God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith, to have greater faith. Uh, in Africa, there's a saying that the African people, the poor in Africa, they have neology, and people in America, we have theology. And so um, 
I heard an African minister say that in Africa they have to pray that that the it'll stop raining so they can get down the road because the roads are are you know uh, so muddy they can't get through the roads or they have to pray for their food they have to pray for so many things and um, God wants us to humble ourselves. Uh, James two six says, but you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court you know a a poor person doesn't have the money to take you to court if you've ever been taken to court you know it's very uh, pricey Um, and then God says showing partiality is blasphemy against the Lord 2 7 says do they not uh, uh, blaspheme the name of the Lord which you have been called And we're to walk in love so that we can fulfill God's law. Otherwise, we're trespassers of God's law. In verse 8, it says, If, however, you're fulfilling the royal law, which, according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. The next instruction from James says, If you're trying to keep God's law another way, then uh, basically you just have a religious spirit. It says in verse 10, 210 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles uh, in one part, he has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Uh, now, if you do not commit murder or adultery and do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who've been judged by the law of liberty. And to better explain the scripture that says, if you, if you, let me just go back here. It says, um, <clears throat> whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one part, he's been found guilty of all. And the best way to explain that would be like, for example, say you have a standard that you think to be holy or to be right with God, that you have a, a list, a holy list of things to do. For example, I used to have one that I had to pray an hour a day. I had to read my Bible. I had to tithe. I had to go to church. Um, and that was a part of my holy list. And if I if I had, and I was very disciplined, and I would, if I kept, it checked off that whole list, I felt really good about myself, like I was really righteous. Um, but if, if, if that's my standard of keeping um, uh, myself right with God, if that's my standard of, being holy, then if I have this list and I and I just miss one thing on that list, then I'm guilty of missing all of them. And that's a person that lives according to the law and not according to God's law. That has to do with a person that's got a religious spirit. And then one day I got a teaching from someone that said, if you could judge yourself between 1 and 10, how righteous would you say you were? And because I was very disciplined, I always said, I'm a 10 so self-righteous but you see i would have been a 10 if i mean even if i said i was a one i would have been righteous based on what god did and not what i did the scripture says that you are the righteousness of god in christ jesus christ lives in you christ in you is the hope of glory and so if you're trying to keep the law any other way other than walking in love uh, then this, the scripture says that if you have a holy list you know, but on the days I did that whole list, I felt so good about myself. But on the days that I missed just one thing, I just felt like a worm. And thank God he delivered me from that.
Now I see that I'm righteous not based on anything I did or anything I do. I'm righteous based on what God's word says, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The scripture goes on to say, He made him who knew no sin to be made sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the law is that we walk in love. God wants us to walk in love. So speak and act as those who are being judged by the law of liberty, which is the law of love. You know, we break God's covenant when we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. And, um, you know, in Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Um, but if we don't show mercy, we receive no mercy. James 1, 1.13 says, For judgment will be merciless to them to him who shown no mercy, for mercy triumphs over judgment. Have you been a, a judgmental person or have you been a merciful per, uh, person? The scripture in, uh, in Luke, I believe it's Luke 7, says, um, by your standard of measure, it's measured back to you. So whatever you give, you're going to get more later in the same thing. And, uh, and James says that faith and good works are interrelated. Uh, verse 14 says, what is, it, what is it, my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? James 1, 2, uh, 15 says, if a brother are, so faith, basically faith without works is dead. Um, I prove my, I prove that I have faith by my works. We're to help the needy. In verse 15 of chapter 2, it says, if a brother or sister is without clothing, and in need of daily food, and and one of you says to him, "Go in peace, be warmed, and be filled," and yet you do not um, not give him what is necessary for the body. What use is that? So if we don't have good works, we don't have faith. James um, two seventeen says, uh, "Even so, faith without works is dead, being by itself." But if someone will will say to you, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. So just believing without faith is, uh, without the fruit is not enough. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Verse 19 says, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder, but you're willing to... But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? And so we don't have good works uh, to be saved, but because we're saved, we will have good works. And Abraham was a good example of us uh, having of, of faith. He had faith. In James 2.21, it says, um, Was not Abraham our father justified? by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar you know God told Abraham to take up his only son up the mountain and and slay him and he told his servants my son and I are going to go up on the mountain and we're going to worship and so he took his son up the mountain he knew because God promised him that he would be the father of many nations through Isaac he knew he was going to come back down the mountain and that because God had promised he was faithful that he'd be bringing his son back down the mountain. 
But anyway, just as he was getting ready to kill his son, um, the Lord said, no, no, wait, now I know you fear God. James 2.22 says, so you see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of his works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Don't you want to be called the friend of God? You know, this is a per- this is a picture of letting go of your life, lining your life with the word of God, ob- obedience to God. He's your good shepherd, and God says he leads you beside peaceful, still waters. In verse 24, it says, you see that a man is justified by works and not and not by faith alone. Verse 20, 25 says, the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So it's saying if a body has no spirit, it's dead. And it's saying faith, if it doesn't have work, it works, it's dead. And then it, it warns us, really, that teachers are under a stricter judgment. Uh, I remember that um, my dad, because I was the oldest, uh, I had two sisters that could have robbed a bank, and he wouldn't have said anything to them. But if I had a different color of fingernail polish on, uh, he didn't like that. And he was always critiquing everything I did. And one day when he had said some pretty cruel words to me, uh, they lived in San Antonio, which was six hours away. And I basically repented and did deliverance on myself all the way from San Antonio to East Texas, the things that the Lord had shown me. But one of the things that he showed me was that because I'm a teacher, there's a stricter judgment on me, and I could thank God for that. He gave me a whole new perspective. In James 3, 1 says, Let not many of you be teachers, my brethren, knowing that such will will incur stricter judgment. And then in James 3, it goes on to say that if if we don't stumble in what we say, we're a perfect man. A perfect woman. What does that mean? Well, if what comes out of the mouth, I mean, what comes from from uh, what's in our heart comes out our mouth. And it says in in uh, Matthew 12 that by our words will be justified, by our words will be condemned. If we don't stumble in what we say and our words are perfect, that means we have a perfect heart. And we know that there's no human alive that's to that place. You know, it's it's something that we have to continue working out. Sanctification takes a lifetime. And when we go into heaven, then God jerks us into perfection. But in the meantime, it's a way to work out our salvation with fear and trembling uh, by uh, letting God train us to reign for eternity. It says in uh, James 3, 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able to bridle the whole body. So, you know, if I, in other words, if I'm believing the Lord for healing, I'm I'm believing the Lord that I want to lose weight and I'm constantly running off the mouth and saying negative things, then what happens is I'm not a perfect man and I can't control my whole body because I'm speaking death over myself. So I need to plant in my spiritual garden, I need to plant the word of God because it's not going to return void. In other words, instead of, of 
saying how I used to say so much. I used to say I'm fat, 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 fat. I need to say I can do all things through Christ. My meat is to do the will of God, um, and um, and my food uh, is to do the will of God. And so I need to confess what God's word says. James three three says, now if if we put bits in the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct the entire body as well. So if we put a bit in a horse's mouth, we can direct the horse whichever way we want to go. If we put a bit in our mouth, then we can direct our life the way we want to go. Because Jesus said, you'll have what you say. It says we over, in Revelation 12 says, we overcome by the blood of Jesus, the word of our testimony, and we love not our life. Um, the scripture says, the death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if we continually speak negative, we're going to eat the fruit of it. The scripture says that if we don't, it says that uh, that whoever guards his mouth guards his soul from troubles. Is what Proverbs says. And so your tongue is is like a, the rudder on a ship, and only defile, not only defiles you, but it directs the course of your life. And so if we don't like the direction our life is taking, we need to change the rudder, which is our tongue. And you can only do that when you find out why you keep saying the same thing you're saying. And, you know, as I've done this the past, uh, well, eight, as I said, I've done this for my healing for the past eight years, um, then uh, my faith level has picked up. And I'm beginning to believe what I'm saying. And so uh, when I first heard that scripture, I thought, well, if you have dark, if you you have what you say, Jesus said, and if you don't doubt in your heart, well, I've been saying things, believing things that I shouldn't be saying. And so I began to ask God to show me, why do I keep saying this thing? And why do I keep saying that? Because I want to believe God in my heart. And so your tongue is not only a rudder that defiles you, but it directs the course of your life. Uh, chapter 3, verse 4 says, look at, look at the ships also, though they are so great, and are driven by strong winds, uh, are still directed by a very small rudder, whatever, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. And so you're the pilot of your life under God, but, but uh, if you're under God's authority, you're going to be a pilot that says what the master says. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest instead of flame by such a small fire. Well, in in uh, Psalms 1, it says we're trees. And so a whole group of people would be a forest. And we burn people down. We burn the forest. We burn people down with our mouth. We burn our own stuff down. It says, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of our life and sets and set, and is set on fire fire by hell uh, three seven says for every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures uh, of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race but no one can tame the tongue it's arrested evil and full of deadly poison no you can't tame the tongue but you can get the heart pure so the tongue will say what's in the heart so that's how we that's how we can um, bring correction is if we keep asking God, why do I keep saying this? How did this get into my life? What seed was planted in my life through the generations or through uh, things that happened to me, things I've done, things people have said to me that I've not forgiven, 
And so we keep on asking God for wisdom. Why do I keep saying this particular thing? And then I repent by confessing my sin, and then God cleans that area of my heart, and my words will be pure in every area that my heart is pure. And with our tongues we bless, and with our tongues we curse. Verse 9 says, with it it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not be this way. In other words, God's telling us this isn't right. So we're either speaking death or life. Uh, There's no middle ground. And so we, so there's no neutral ground. We either speak death or life. It says in uh, chapter 3, verse 11, does the fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? It doesn't, does it? It says, can a fig tree my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs. Neither can salt water produce fresh. In other words, it, a fountain doesn't send forth uh, bitter and sweet water. If, if I'm sending forth sweet water and also bitter water, the water becomes bitter. If I'm speaking bitter words, then, the, then, the, then sweet water still becomes bitter. And another word for Satan is uh, wormwood. He's bitter. In, in Revelation 9, it talks about the star that falls down, and it's wormwood. It's speaking of Lucifer when he was kicked out of heaven. James 3, 12 says, Can a fig tree, brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs, nor salt water produce fresh? No, it can't. And so uh, good behavior, when we, when we manifest good behavior, it shows we have wisdom and understanding. Uh, 3.13 says, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. And bitter, if we have bitter jealousy, it goes on to say in James, and selfish ambition, uh, it reveals that we have an arrogant heart and it lies against the truth. Verse 14 says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not from above, but comes, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, where that exists, there is disorder in every evil thing. And so our lives should, should also manifest God's wisdom from above. And it tells us what God's wisdom is is in James 3:17. It says, "But the wisdom from above is first peaceful, uh, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, uh, unwavering without hypocrisy. And seeds sown in peace produce righteousness." Verse 18 says, "And the seed, and of course that's God's word." That's why we need to constantly be sowing the seed of God's word over our spiritual garden and over the lives of others. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And the source of your fighting, God tells us why we fight. We all want our own way. You know, uh, sometimes people think, well, there's unity if I agree with you or you agree with me. But light can't fellowship with darkness. And so if, if say, in a, say in a marriage or in a relationship, if I want my way and you want your way, there's no peace. There's no unity. 
and uh, if I would agree with you, it's so sad. I always see the darkness, uh, the the light agreeing with the darkness to walk with somebody that's walking in darkness. I never see the darkness uh, change their minds to walk in the light. And so the only way that we can have unity that's, that's not under the lordship of Jesus is if I agree to walk in darkness with you or you agree to walk in darkness with me. And so um, if if both of us can agree that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's true unity. James 4, 1 says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Uh, is not your source, is it not the source of your pleasures that, that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. In other words, you kill people with your mouth or you kill them physically. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And, of course, we've got to ask God's way. If we want our prayers answered, it says in verse uh, 4-3, it says, um, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. And then it tells us in James 4, 4, that if we're a friend of the world, we commit, we're, we're an enemy of God, and we commit spiritual adultery. Uh, you know, there's physical adultery through sexual sin, through getting involved with a prostitute. But spiritual adultery is if I'm praying a prayer to see Jesus and my heart goes after other lovers, then I commit spiritual adultery. And it says in James 4, 4, you adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not think the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he's made to dwell in us. And there's a greater grace when we want to humble ourselves. In fact, God tells us that we're to humble ourselves. It says that God sees the haughty from afar. Uh, he tells us to humble ourselves, and of course, if we don't humble ourselves, he will put, allow us to go through things that, that cause us to be humbled. In James 4, 6, it says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And it's impossible to resist the devil if you're not willing to first submit yourself to God. James 4, 7 says, give yourself to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. Submit yourself to the Lord. And resist the devil and he'll flee. Well, how do I submit myself to the Lord in the midst of trials or in the midst of uh, every day? As I say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through what I'm going through? And according to 1 John 1, 9, repent of your sin. And then it's just the devil. He just has to go. Satan has to go. And basically that's deliverance in a nutshell. James 4, 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to to the Lord and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And I've discovered the minute you the minute you repent, he has to leave. Uh, you know, I, I'm getting deliverance all the time, and um, the minute I confess my sin, I start yawning. I don't even have to say "Go devil." Now, I, it's not that I'm saying I don't do spiritual warfare. I do spiritual warfare too. But when I'm repenting of my sin, many many times uh, the enemy leaves, and I don't even have to resist him. And then God tells us to draw near to him and cleanse our hands and purify our heart. In four eight it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
And the way we do that is through 1 John 1, 9, confessing your sin. God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Verse 9 says, Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And it's only when you humble yourself that he's going to exalt you. It says, Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. The times I fell here on my property it was because I was walking in pride and didn't even realize it till later when I said, Okay, Lord, why did you let me fall? Verse 10 says, Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. And then we're not to speak or judge our Christian brother, another person. 4.11 says, Do not speak against one another, brethren, because he who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is one lawgiver, and we know that's God, and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So God doesn't want uh, us to judge. You know, I have my friend Carla that I teach with at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp. She says that when when you judge somebody, you're writing a purchase order for that same thing to come to your house. And that is so true. James 4, 13 says, Come now, you who say, Tomorrow I'll go to such and such a city and spend a year there and uh, engage in business and to make a profit. God says, Don't say you're going to do this or that. You or you should say that the, if the Lord will, is a willing, I'll do that uh, because that's arrogant, because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You know, I've had several friends, several people I've known that were young and healthy, and just one day they found them dead. And, um, in fact, I just lost a grandson-in-law that, uh, in fact, his plane in December went down south of Japan. Uh, He was a fighter pilot and flying these little, these F-18 Hornets, and, and his plane went down, and he tried to eject from the plane, and he didn't live through that. He left his left my granddaughter with a, that was soon to have a baby. In fact, she just had her baby and a, left a three-year-old. And, you know, thank God one of his um, things on his checklist was First John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So it gave us great comfort to know that before he got on an airplane, when he checked the oil and checked everything else in the plane, that his checklist was, was he prayed up and confessed up when he got on that plane, it was a, it was such a loss for us and for my granddaughter, and it grieves me to see her heart broke. But she, you know, she struggles, but she has a great attitude, and she's trusting the Lord and trusting His promises. So we don't know uh, if we're going to be here tomorrow. So we need to live our life every day like this is the last day we live. And James four fourteen says, "Yet you do not know." That your life will, but your life will be back like tomorrow. You are just a vapor, and it appears just a, for a little while, and then vanishes away. Instead, you office the Lord wills we will do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your ignorance, your arrogance. For such boasting is evil. You know, if you live 10 years, that's 3,650 days. If you live 20 20 years, double that. And if you're like me, you think this past year has passed like two washloads of clothes. So we need to live our life 
every day so that we'll be always ready to stand before the Lord. You know, something I've started doing recently before I go to sleep at night, before I close my eyes, I just say, Lord, show me if there's any sin in my life that I need to repent of because um, if I wake up in eternity, I want to be um, I want to be prayed up and confessed up. James 4.16 says, but, but as it is, you boast in your arrogance, for such boasting is evil. And so sin, uh, James says, sin is not doing, when we don't do the right thing, we're in sin. If you know to do right and you don't do it, the scripture says you're in sin. Verse 17 of chapter 4 says, therefore, the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, he is in sin. And we're to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures on this earth. James 5, 1 says, Come now, you rich, weep and, and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have been moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver, your gold and your silver you have I'm sorry, your gold and silver have rusted and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days you have stored up for yourself treasures. Behold the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and and which has been withheld from you cries out against you and the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Saibo. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your your heart in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. And God tells us to be patient uh, until the coming of the Lord. And being waiting is not something that I've uh, relish doing and basically when I was a kid my mother I would always be waiting for my parents waiting for them to close their store waiting for them to come get me waiting 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 and so that opened me up to hating to wait so um, so I'm working on that James 5 7 says therefore be patient then until the coming of the Lord the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil so in other words if I'm planting good things in the soil it's going to take time for those things to come up in my spiritual garden. Being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. So, Lord, we ask you to rain on our spiritual garden with the early and late rains. It says, you to be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. And, of course, in, in Ecclesiastes, it says it's better to be patient than haughty. So, if we're impatient, it's because of haughty spirit and because of pride we're not to complain against god's children uh, five nine says do not complain brethren against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged behold the judge is standing right at the door and so we're to be an example of, and patiently endure uh, verse 10 says as an example brethren of suffering and patience take the prophets who spoke in the name of the lord Verse those who endure to the end will be saved, it says in Matthew. Uh, James 5.11 says, We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. 
and we're not to swear, uh, James 5:12 says, uh, but above all my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or on earth or on any or any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not be under judgment. And that would be like if you're if you're um, called on to testify in court and they say, well, you uh, promised to do this or that, you're not to say um, that you swear. You're to say yes or no. And if you're suffering, James 5.13 says, if any of you are suffering, uh, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing praises. And then he tells us if we get sick. He doesn't say call the doctor. In James 5.14 it says, if any of you, if any among you are sick, uh, they must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And this is oil, and I'm not. And there's many people that are using essential oil, and they're they're they're. It's just rooted in witchcraft. It's a potion. I, in fact, I just sent out um, I just sent out uh, um, an article uh, on essential oils and the dangers of essential oils. Basically, the danger of it is that it really it really works for a season until it entraps you, and then you end up being sicker than before. And one of the things that happens is that it causes you to be cut off. I see people that are on that that withdraw from uh, from fellowship, and so um, that scripture is found, and I don't ha- I don't have it written down, but in Exodus thirty. Verse 35, you can read that. They were forbidden to make to mix oils. It said if they did and put it on anybody, they were, and I'm paraphrasing, they'd be cut off. And so the one way we're cut off is to reject ourselves or, or have other people reject us. It says, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who's sick. And so this is anointing oil. This is just plain olive oil. Uh, you're not to make up a, concoc- a concoction. There's nothing wrong with oil in itself. But it's you know it's nothing wrong with going to the healthy store and buying a bottle of lavender or cinnamon oil. But the but the but the concoctions that you buy out there that are supposed to give you peace and they're supposed to give you joy and they're supposed to open up your third eye and it's supposed to help you meditate and and uh, communicate. Uh, beware. But if you're if you're interested in knowing more about that, if you'll uh, email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net. I'll send you that article. Uh, James 5.15 says, and so it says, when you let him anoint him with oil and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he's committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. And of course, they left this usually, um, this next part is left off. It says, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another. Uh, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. And so when you're anointed with oil, you should be confessing your faults. We leave that off, and and your sins will be forgiven. I've had myself anointed with oil, and I've confessed my sin. That's very important in getting anointed with oil. And then pray with with the faith of Elijah. (coughs) It says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and, and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky broke, poured forth rain, and it produced its fruit. 
The Bible tells us we're to speak the truth uh, to straying brothers. James 5.19 says, My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and uh, one turns him back, let him know that the one who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And so the Bible promises us to speak the truth in love. I'm, you know, when I sent out this article on essential oils, I realized that that might offend a lot of people. But you know what? God, but I did it in love, and I did it out of a heart that was concerned and a heart of love for people. And, you know, a lot of times you're going to offend people if you don't do anything. In fact, if you're compromising, they'll end up hating you. So you might as well. Uh, obey God and speak the truth in love. And the Bible says that it will cover a multitude of sins. I need a multitude of sins covered in my life, don't you? Okay, if you're listening tonight and would like prayer, um, in fact, I'm just going to lead you through repentance. And if you want to pray along with me, um, in fact, if you're listening in, pray along with me, and I'll lead you in repentance, and then I'll do some deliverance. Get back to the first of my message so I can go down this. So, Lord, forgive me. If you're, um, Lord, I ask you to forgive me in Jesus' name for being a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me for not, um, for, for, for not bridling my tongue. Forgive me that my religion has been in vain. Forgive me for saying I have faith, but I've had no work. Forgive me for living a fruitless life. God, would you please forgive me for not asking you when I go through a trial, not asking in faith. Forgive me, Lord, for for asking um, and being like a ship driven of the wind and toss. Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me for not asking in faith. Forgive me for not believing that you're talking to me. God, forgive me for being ensnared by the words of my mouth. Lord, would you forgive me for burning people down with my mouth, killing people with my mouth, murdering people with my mouth. Forgive me for not being a perfect person able to, and not bridling my whole body. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for not uh, working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, forgive me for just having a religious spirit, having this holy list of things that I think I have to do. And then uh, if I miss one thing, then I feel terrible. Forgive me for not loving my neighbor, loving you, Lord, with all my whole heart and my neighbor as myself. Uh, God, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me for um, for contention and strife and selfish ambition. Forgive me for jealousy and envy. Forgive me for thinking other people are better off than me because they're rich. Forgive me for not glorying in my uh, in my um, situation, in my high position. Uh, forgive me, Lord, for uh, confusion. Forgive me for not listening to my parents. Forgive me for thinking I have meager circumstances. Forgive me for giving up too quick and losing heart. And forgive me for blaming you for my temptation and not dealing with the lust down in my heart. Forgive me for not realizing that my blessings come from you, Lord. Forgive me for not being a a good listener. Forgive me for not watching my mouth and staying calm. Forgive forgive me for being quick to speak, um, 
quick to listen, slow to listen, uh, quick to anger. Forgive me for being an angry person. Lord, I humble myself before you and I put aside wickedness. And Lord, I want to line myself up with your word. I present my body to you, Lord, as a living sacrifice. Forgive me for being that listen, that hearer of the word that sees the, what I look like and then walking away and forgetting. God, would you, would you set a watch over my mouth? Would you purify my heart so my words will be pure? Forgive me for not, forgive me for harming and doing evil to orphans and widows. And I forgive those who mistreated me as an orphan or widow. Forgive me for not helping widows in their distress. Uh, forgive me for letting the world contaminate me. Uh, forgive me for being a judge with evil motives and showing favoritism and being partial. Forgive me for not wanting poor, uh, dirty people in my church. Forgive me, Lord, for honoring people that are dressed in fancy clothes and have fancy jewelry. Forgive me for showing partiality and blasphemy uh, you. Forgive me for not walking in love and fulfilling your law. Forgive me for being a trespasser of your law. Lord, forgive me for not uh, thinking that I have to keep a holy list to be uh, righteous and to be holy when you said I'm already righteous in your eyes, but that I have to confess my sin. Forgive me for not showing mercy. Forgive me for having no good works. Forgive me for not helping the needy. Forgive me for believing just in my head like uh, the demons and like Satan believes and trembles and not having a life that produces good fruit. Forgive me for not following Abraham's example and giving up my life that I might find it. God, forgive me for um, stumbling in my words. Transgressing with my mouth. Uh, forgive me for complaining about the direction of my life when it's depending on my tongue. I want to change this rudder, Lord. I ask you to show me everything in my heart that would cause me to speak negative words in Jesus' name. Forgive me for prophesying negativity over my life. Forgive me for cursing with my mouth, speaking death with my mouth. Forgive me for not showing good behavior, not showing wisdom and understanding. Forgive me for planting the wrong kind of seeds and not the seed of your word. Forgive me for bitter jealousy and selfish ambition and being arrogant and lying against the truth. Forgive me for letting blessings and curses come out of my mouth, which um, has caused the water to be totally bitter. Forgive me for not seeking wisdom from above. Uh, forgive me for not sowing uh, your word in my heart. Forgive me for quarreling and fighting because I want to spend things on my own pleasures in my own way. Forgive me for contention and strife. Forgive me for asking um, for all my own for my own interest and not for the for your glory. Forgive me for being a friend of the world and committing adultery, spiritual adultery, physical adultery. I humble myself before you, Lord. I give myself to you. I submit myself to you, and I resist the devil, and he has to flee from me. I draw near to you, Lord. I cleanse my hands and purify my heart. 
through confessing my sin. I humble myself under your mighty hand so that you can exalt me. Forgive me for speaking and judging other people, speaking against my brother and sisters in the Lord. Forgive me for judging them. Forgive me for not walking in love. Forgive me for saying I'm going to do this or that. Forgive me for being arrogant uh, and not saying, Lord, if you will. Forgive me for not seeking you for direction. Forgive me for not doing what I know is right. Forgive me for trying to store up for myself uh, silver gold and not treasures in heaven. Forgive me for being impatient and haughty and prideful. Forgive me for complaining against you and complaining against your children. Forgive me for not being a, a um, an example and pa- being willing to patiently endure. Forgive me for not counting it all joy. Forgive me for not being uh, persevering. <laughs> Forgive me for swearing. Forgive me for not praying when I'm suffering and singing praises when I'm cheerful. God, forgive me for not going to you. Forgive me for not asking the elders of the church to anoint me with oil and pray over me. Forgive me for not being willing to confess my faults, which shows how prideful I've been. Forgive me for not being open and transparent. Forgive me for not speaking truth to straying brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus. Forgive me for fear of man. Forgive me for wanting to please people more than I want to please you. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I just repent of all these uh, sins I've repented of and any others that you've shown me. And, Father, I break soul ties and forgive anyone who's hurt me, and I forgive me for hurting other people. In the name of Jesus, I cut and sever every soul tie, calling back my soul and spirit from each person that I've wronged or who's wronged me, uh, cleansed, sanctified, and made whole by the blood of Jesus. I send back every soul and spirit to every person that has um, <clears throat> that has hurt me or that I've hurt. I exchange their image for the image of Christ in Jesus' name. And I command every demon power to leave every person who's listening in now in Jesus' name. By the authority, by the name and power of Jesus, I command you to go, leave now, each person. I break the power of fear, doubt, unbelief, lies, lying. I break the power in Jesus' name, binding the strong man over every life. I bind depression. I bind in the name of Jesus, discouragement, depression, rebellion, antichrist. I bind spirits of anger and bitterness. I command you to go now in Jesus' name. I break the power of self-pity. I break the power of laziness. I break the power of prayerlessness. I break the power of religious spirits, Pharisee spirits. I break the power of partiality. I break the power of um, uh, all spirits of judging. I command, I bind the spirit of judgment. I bind spirits of critical spirits. I bind all these spirits. I command you to go. I break the power of fornication, lasciviousness, licentiousness, drunkenness, carousing, a party spirit, idolatry, adultery. I break the power of bestiality, pornography, mind control, divination. I command you to leave every person in this room. I bind up these spirits, fill them by the blood of Jesus, separate them by the blood of Jesus. And I say, go, 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 in Jesus' name. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Now pray with me, Lord. Fill me with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. 
and self-control. In Jesus' name. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about the ministry. If you're wanting prayer, you can call in at 646-595-4784, and don't forget to press the number one. Um, if you want to email me, you can email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net. That's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at sbcglobal.net. Uh, you can go on my website at jerrymcgee.com. Uh, you can find uh, free CDs to listen to. You can find CDs to order. There's free articles you can print out. My son, uh, who died of AIDS in 1989, uh, there's a video on there uh, on his testimony made 13 days before he died. It's called Todd's Greatest Regret. You can watch it. You can sign up for my email at Jerry McGee by just clicking on um, clicking on the link. Um, and that will and sign up for email, and I'll notify you when I'm going to be in your area. Um, I have a, I have a, I'm, I'll be at the International Spiritual Warfare Conference in Beaumont, uh, March the 16th through the through the 20th. And if you um, would like to go to that conference, if you'll sign up for email, I'll send you a flyer. Um, and I have a Duncanville seminar that uh, I teach monthly. In Duncanville, Texas, and Duncanville borders Dallas on the south side. Uh, it's off of Interstate 20 uh, South, um, and uh, that's from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock, and it's free to attend. And if you'll email me, I'll send you a flyer for that. We sent it. We sent these flyers out today, so uh, you'll just have to request it. Email me and, and request it, and I'll send you a flyer. I'll be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp. Uh, for their spring camp, uh, April 13th through the 16th, and you can go to LakeHamiltonBibleCamp.com and find information. It's very inexpensive, but we have prayer teams that pray for people uh, every morning from 6 to uh, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. We pray for people, and we see people's lives just change mightily. And so um, if you'd like to schedule a meeting in your area, you can also email me. If you have a question, you can email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.com. And um, anyway, I uh, hope you'll listen in again on the first and third Tuesdays of the month uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. And, uh, and so I'm just going to close if no one wants prayer. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may he make his face shine upon you and give you peace.